TV brings you The Stone Zone with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times best-selling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome, I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. Today in the news, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, predicts that Michelle Obama will parachute into the Democratic nomination contest for president and that the Democrats will jettison Joe Biden. Where have I heard this before? Republican Texas Senator predicted Monday the Democratic Party will replace Joe Biden with former First Lady Michelle Obama, uh, as I just said. Quote, here is the scenario that I think perhaps the most likely and most dangerous, Senator Cruz said on his podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz. In August of 2024, the Democratic kingmakers will jettison Joe Biden and parachute in Michelle Obama. Cruz explained that by running Michelle Obama as the party's candidate, the Democrats could, quote, avoid the problems of having to choose a candidate among political figures like Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. You remember her, the one who said, I'm going to get me a beer. Uh, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, Vice President Kamala Harris, and of course, California Governor Gavin Newsom. It's interesting that Senator Cruz uh, observed that, quote, Barack Obama is already running the Biden administration. I think he's already the puppet master behind this Biden White House. I don't think Joe Biden is the decision maker. Uh, and so when I see the media turning on Joe Biden right now, I think the odds of Michelle Obama parachuting in in August of 2024 have risen dramatically. Senator, exactly as I've been saying for well over a year. Uh, all of these uh, new polls, the Wall Street Journal poll, CNN poll, uh, and others showing uh, Joe Biden in deep political trouble, uh, the new uh, enhanced coverage uh, of the Biden family crimes uh, as uncovered by the U.S. Senate, all of things, these things point to an effort that I think must begin uh, this November when you have filing deadlines for Democratic caucuses and primaries uh, quickly approaching for the Democrats to download Joe. Uh, and uh, the way they have changed their primary schedule lineup, stripping Iowa and New Hampshire of their delegates, for example, uh, front-loading their primaries to put South Carolina, a state with an absolute majority of African-Americans in the Democratic primary, first in their lineup, holding their convention in Chicago. This is the perfect storm for Michelle Obama. We're going to continue to cover this story. Also in the news, very interesting, uh, Cash Patel, uh, the former uh, chief of staff for the U.S. Defense Department, former senior counsel to the House Intelligence Committee, uh, is now suing the Department of Justice because when he was fulfilling his legal responsibility as the chief counsel for the House Intelligence Committee investigating the Russian collusion hoax, 
He subsequently learned that the Department of Justice sought uh, with a secret subpoena his emails. So in other words, they were spying on him as he was fulfilling his legal obligations to investigate the Russian collusion hoax. I spoke to Cash Patel earlier today. He's going to join me on WABC Radio this Sunday to talk about this stunning development. Uh, now, uh, I want to bring on uh, a man that I have enormous respect for. There is no one that I respect uh, or have more admiration for uh, when it comes to the question of election integrity uh, than Greg Stenstrom. Greg is the co-founder of Patriot.online, but much important, more importantly, he's a former U.S. naval officer who has served uh, as a surface warfare officer in commanding and executive officer roles for special warfare and special operations. He has a bachelor's of science degree from the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, he has extensive experience in computer sciences, security, fraud investigations, and a reputation as a formidable problem solver and analyst of complex issues. He's also a good personal friend of mine. There is no one in the entire election integrity space that I respect and admire more than Greg Stenstrom joins us now. Hey, how you doing? Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, so, uh, why don't you introduce uh, our next guest? I think John is online. We're uh, getting John Marietta on. He is uh, running for commissioner in Fayette County, Pennsylvania. That's just south of uh, Allegheny County and uh, just south of Pittsburgh. So, uh, oh, okay, hold we on. Lost, we lost your camera there. We'll get it back. Okay. We got you. That's uh, John Great. trying to get off you, Logan. Great. Continue, Greg. Oh, thanks. Sorry we uh, lost you for a minute. Uh, John Marietta is, uh, has been a resident of Fayette County for his whole life, 61 years. And uh, I was introduced to him uh, during the May election, May, May uh, 2023, this year's election. Uh, Leah Hoops introduced us. She had been talking to him. And uh, we started advising on election law and the elections and, and what he should be looking for. And um, he lost the election up there. They said so. They said the board of elections, which is three attorneys, uh, one of which is a federal judge who lives in Virginia, uh, and the two county solicitors, both lawyers, said that uh, John had lost by 121 votes. So John asked to do a recount, and uh, they denied him that initially. Asked for the ballots. He got a court order uh, from the court demanding that they provide the ballots and the envelopes and the information he needed to do a recount. They were still recalcitrant and they allowed him to look at six precincts. That's it. Six precincts out of 77. They did the recount. Uh, he had 1,487 mail-in ballots, uh, excuse me, in-person ballots, and he had 187 mail-in ballots. That's all they let him look at. Well, with the end of the recount, he had a 9% error rate on the mail-in uh, ballots. And what that means is they gave um, 17 votes to the wrong person and just 187 mail-in ballots. And then in the in-person ballots, they gave 22 uh, votes to the wrong person. 
Now, what the election law requires and our laws requires is that they have an error rate of 0.5 percent, which is you know one out of 200, which is still an incredibly high amount. Then they uh, they have to do a recount. That's really extraordinary. Now, you uh, and Leah Hoops have represented yourselves uh, in a landmark action in Delaware. County, uh, Pennsylvania, fighting over the very same types of issues. Uh, you and you and you encountered this kind of cover-up and this kind of obfuscation in Delaware County, did you not? Exactly. Uh, Delaware County is a lot bigger than Fayette County. Uh, we have 430, uh, actually about 410,000 registered voters here in a county of over 500,000. Fayette County only has 75,000 registered voters. But the book Leah and I wrote was uh, The Parallel Election, A Blueprint for Deception. And the blueprint is that basically the basic premise of the book is that they substitute counterfeit ballots. And I'm talking about counterfeit uh, in-person ballots and they they substitute counterfeit mail-in ballots for the real ballots. And that's basically, we describe that in the book, how they do that. And when we looked into Fayette County, and as I just described, the error rates that they have indicate that they substituted counterfeit ballots for real ones, or they did a real bad job of counting. So one or the other is true. But to my knowledge, they weren't able to reconcile the vote. And with the county of election, a county board of elections did, and the solicitors did, that was very egregious, is that they lied to the court and they said that they only had one error with the full knowledge that they had, you know, multiple errors, and they were well in excess of the amount of uh, errors that required a full recount. So they literally lied to the court, the judge, Judge Wagner, in the uh, uh, the Court of Common Pleas of Fayette County. They lied to the people. They had a, uh, basically, I call it a double secret probation meeting where they illegally certified the vote, uh, the only person being present to challenge them being a reporter. And uh, they've done just about everything that we described in the book that a corrupt government officials would do. So what John is uh, fighting out there, we have a hearing on Thursday. This is we submitted a lawsuit together, pro se, means we're self-represented. And we asked for three things. One was we want you, the, we want the judge to order a litigation hold. And what that means is preserve the evidence preserve the ballots, preserve the machines, preserve the electronic images so that we can sort this out. The other thing we asked for was uh, them to reissue the order to the Board of Elections demanding that they provide the ballots for inspection and recount and that they provide the mail-in ballots and the mail-in envelopes for inspection. And we have some or some reasonable cause to believe that they could be they could destroy that data they could spoliate that data because they've already shown a proclivity to do that so we said to the judge hey you know we want to look at this evidence before it's spoliated or before they have a chance to curate it we want you to make sure they preserve it and the third thing we asked for very simply was they did an illegal certification of the vote and these people all being attorneys and supposedly having a higher bar or a higher standard of ethics than the common people, they're supposed to know better. And we said to the judge that they didn't act like they they, they knew better and that uh, John deserves a recount. Now, he's only separated by 121 votes. And uh, with the error rate that we had, uh, just from the small six precincts that we did, 
the error rate could be the difference between 563 votes just using the error rate we have. So if we if we get a chance to look at these 77 precincts and the, and the court finds in our favor, which I think they will, then John has a, a good chance of sorting this out. So, Greg, as I understand it, you have been uh, you are John's authorized representative in this proceeding, which is a statutory role, uh, which is good because I don't know anybody who is more knowledgeable about Pennsylvania election law uh, or the people of Pennsylvania. You've been incredibly successful in so far in a number of other legal proceedings where, by the way, you're not an attorney, but you have very ably represented yourself. Uh, let me go to some larger picture questions, if I may. Uh, as a supporter of Donald Trump, I get this question all the time, which is uh, the president is building up a substantial lead. Uh, his, his candidacy has been, uh, has been turbocharged by the lawfare against him. He is stronger politically than he's ever been in the 45 years that I've known him, stronger than he was in 2016, stronger than he was in 2020. Yet despite this incredible head of steam, and the fact that polls show him beating Joe Biden, uh, do you think we can have a free, fair, honest, transparent election? Or is it too late for that? Because very few states uh, have reformed their state election laws, despite the anomalies and irregularities in the last election. Boy, it's a, it's a big question. And I think if things remain as they are, no, I don't think that it's going to be a fair election in May. Um, in the primary, and I don't think there'd be a fair election in November. As long as uh, they don't follow the processes, these recalcitrant boards of elections and these recalcitrant counties, because all elections are local, if they don't follow the procedures that have been laid out by the Election Assistance Commission and by the state certification requirements and so forth, what they're doing is they're providing a vector for fraud for a very small number of people to subvert the vote. So I'll give you an example. There's a thing called logic and accuracy testing that has to be done before every election. And that's where they verify the software that's in the machines. They make sure everything is set so that when they record the vote in these voting machines and the, and the vote is transferred to the tabulation servers and the election management systems, that it's gonna be an honest vote. Now, states and counties that are subverting the vote are bypassing logic and accuracy testing, which allows them a vector for fraud and allows them to introduce fraudulent electronic votes. Now, similarly, with mail-in ballots, if they don't follow the law and they don't send them out properly, verify that the ballots will be able to be properly read, verify that they come in that the people uh, that they've properly recorded them and then maintain a strict chain of custody on the ballots that are inside those envelopes, then we can't have a fair election because the way they subvert the vote is while the envelope that you sent in might be received, the ballot inside of it may never get to a machine that will scan it and they could substitute false ballots. That's what you're seeing in Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia, as these cases, other cases in other states are percolating up, what we're finding is that they did not maintain chains of custody, that there is no pedigree for the electronic uh, votes, that there is no pedigree 
for the mail-in ballots. And as long as they destroy that, and as long as only a relatively small number of people can do that, we can't have a fair election. Now, we're working very hard in Delaware County, and uh, we've been able to examine the mail-in envelopes uh, the last election. We're going to be looking at the ballots here real soon. And uh, we do think we can... Uh, we can have a fair election here in Delaware County, but we're we're way ahead of the curve, I think, over other counties. So I, I'd say it's a qualified no that we can't have a fair elections unless people understand and they take the time to understand how the elections work. And then people work very hard at stopping the small number of misanthropes that are perverting and subverting our elections. Okay, the good news is John Marietta, better known as the Hillbilly, is with us now. Uh, and John joins us. God bless you, my friend. Uh, Greg has just uh, gone through the injustice, the outrageousness of what appears to me to be a, a rigged and stolen election. Uh, let's kind of start in the beginning. You're currently the recorder of deeds uh, for Fayette County. You've been married to the same woman for 41 years. You have three children, seven grandchildren. Uh, why did you decide to run for county commission to begin with? Well, what what happened was I ran for recorder of deeds because, <laughs> as anybody would suspect, the Republican Party come and asked me to do so. And uh, I said they wanted me to run for an office. And I said, well, let's try recorder of deeds. And I never I didn't expect to win. But I think what happened was I were outworked everybody else. And uh, that and I ended up winning the race. And um that that's how we won that. But I'm looking at the county. I'm 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 pinging and I'm I'm looking at the county and I'm saying, you know what? I can do more if I was county commissioner than I could do if I was state senator for our county. Our county is the third poorest county in in Pennsylvania, and we're sitting on a pool of oil. We're sitting on a pool of natural gas. We got 200 years of coal yet to be mined, and and I'm thinking like. We shouldn't be paying taxes. We ought to be generating money in this county that, that the taxes, the people shouldn't have to pay taxes at all. At least start with the seniors that have paid their taxes for all these years. And I'm thinking like, this is my mission. I need to go ahead and try to do it. Um, I, that, that's where I'm at. And I, I just I just want people to understand that that I didn't just decide to change change. Uh, um, occupations and, and become recorder of deeds or, or county commissioner, I seen that there was a need. And um, in the in the recorder of deeds office, I will tell you, when I took over, there was about $60,000 in the bank accounts. And right now, as of this morning, I checked, I'm almost 170000 So, or I mean 370000 I apologize. And I paid all the bills that came due. And I've, and I've remodeled the office and we've done a lot of things. And uh that's where we're at. And I can see just by the things that are going on in the county, we need people to step up and say, you know, enough's enough. Uh, we need to take care of things. We need to take care of our own county. And we need to make sure that our the tax base stays here. And we need to we need to bring a tax base here, too, which, which should happen. Our young people grow up and they leave. We need to keep them here. We need to have good jobs for them. And that can happen if, if we had people with just a little bit of vision. That's where I'm at. Uh, you know, I find this shocking. Uh, despite a court order to the Board of Elections uh, and the solicitors to produce public records of election results, ballots for recount and mail-in ballot envelopes, etc., 
for all 77 precincts. They simply refused to comply, instead negotiated with your previous attorney, who you have wisely dismissed, uh, to for a recount of just six precincts. And here's the shocker, where you're only allowed to use a pencil and to look at 1,487 in-person ballots and 187 mail-in ballots through a glass window. This is That's this true. Is, this is beyond belief. This this reeks of a cover-up. Uh, when does this matter? Uh, when does this matter get to court, uh, Greg? When let me ask you. When does this matter get to court? Well, the judge, the uh, president, judge there. We had a previous judge, Judge Wagner, uh, who's been uh, very fair. Uh, we didn't understand some of his initial rulings, but um, we we found that he he really was wanted to hear the case. And, you know, he was he was being uh, following the law and uh, he's going on vacation. It's a scheduled vacation, you know, and he says, hey, I can't hear this. So the president judge uh, is going to hear the case on Thursday morning at nine o'clock. And what he's hearing is a what we call a rule 1531 uh, special request for relief or injunction. It's an emergency injunction. And as I stated before, we're just asking them to preserve the evidence, allow us to look at the evidence that the court already stated and, and gave an order. We're asking them to reissue that order and we're asking them to set aside the certification. Now, whether he can, uh, whether the judge finds set aside the certification or not, um, I think that uh, I think it's within his judicial discretion to do so. But he could find differently. But I don't think he's going to have a problem giving the litigation hold and allowing us to look at the um, the ballots and look at the envelopes. Now, John and I are doing two separate trajectories, which is somewhat confounding and befuddling to the solicitor there. There's two uh, law uh, bodies of law involved. One is election law. Election law is tough. Um, it's designed to have very tight timelines so that things can move forward. So the election law timelines, the county ran them out. They made John wait 98 days instead of giving it to him right away. 98 days they fought him until finally they agreed to let him see things through glass. So under election law, we've got uh, a case there, motion for reconsideration, probably too detailed for, for you know the short time we have here. But we have one case going under election law, one trajectory, and we filed a civil case, which is a tort and a breach of fiduciary duty to say, well, you had a duty to run a fair and honest election. And the burden of proof and the burden of production is on you all over the country. And Donald Trump is facing this. They said, well, you have no evidence. Well, the burden of proof and the burden of evidence is not up to me to prove or John to prove that they ran a fraudulent election or let's just say it was flawed. It's not us, up to us to prove they ran a flawed election. It's up to them as the government officials, because we're the sovereigns, the people are the sovereigns. It's up to them as public servants to show that they ran a fair and honest election. So we're going on two trajectories, election law, civil law. John and I are both pro se uh, plaintiffs withstanding in the court to do this. And what we're looking for is transparency, accountability, and the court to hold the public officials that lied to them and lied to the people accountable.
And we're going to get a ruling on that, I hope, uh, 9 o'clock on Thursday morning in Fayette County in the Common Pleas Courthouse by the president judge. And that's where we're at there. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Greg, I want you to come back this week to talk about some of the bigger picture uh, election integrity issues where I want to pick your brain. John, I apologize for our delay in getting you in, but you gentlemen are both patriots. You are both warriors. God bless you and good luck in your litigation. Many, many thanks for joining us on The Stone Zone. Thank you very much, Thank Roger. You. Uh, make sure you get a copy of uh, Greg Stenstrom's book, The Parallel Election. Uh, it is uh, a barn burner. You absolutely need to check that out. Now, if you haven't heard, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader of the U.S. Senate, has revised the longstanding, uh, I guess you would call it dress code, for the floor of the U.S. Senate in order to allow Senator John Fetterman, or whoever's pretending to be Senator John Fetterman, to wear his shorts, T-shirt, and hoodie on the floor of the U.S. Senate. So the decorum that is well over 100 years old has been shattered. I had a great interview with Kimberly Guilfoyle about it. We're going to show that to you right now. This. There's a lot more I know we can talk about. I wish I had a chance to take all your questions, but I'm going to get in real trouble if I do that. Well, and remember, this isn't about age. It really isn't. It's about stamina and mental acuity and ability to serve, quite frankly. Joe Biden, along with Democratic senators like Dianne Feinstein and John Fetterman, are showing more and more signs that they're just not up to the job. But Democrats would rather distract you from all of this. For example, Senator Chuck Schumer now says he's loosening the Senate dress code rules in an apparent effort to let Fetterman stroll into work in his shorts and a hoodie. It's really actually disgraceful. It's all just another example of the bizarre behavior of Democrats and why there is such a lack of confidence in our elected leaders and officials. Joining me now, iconic political strategist, author of Stone's Rules, and he's also the host of the fabulously successful Stone Zone, a man, by the way, of substance and style. They could all take a page out of his book. He's actually even given his opinion and awards and whatnot uh, on fashion. The one and only great friend to this show, Roger Stone. Roger, thank you for being here with us today. Kimberly, uh, great to be with you. I, I'm still, I'm just shaking my head about this decision to relax the dress rules of conduct in the U.S. Senate to accommodate one man who wants to act and dress like a child. I mean, Literally. John Fetterman can't wear long pants and put on a necktie uh, as a long tradition of the Senate. There's such thing as decorum, you know, look good, feel good. This is a serious business. He can't dress like a serious adult. Uh, and you said this best, if it's even John Fetterman, I mean, I don't think it's conspiracy, but as I look at pictures of him when he was elected and photos of him now, he doesn't even seem to be the same person. So is he an Adams family body double, as you said the other day, which yeah. made me spit out my coffee. I thought it was so funny. Funny, uh, right? <laughs> but it's funny because crazy. it's accurate. <laughs> it, 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 I it, mean, it, it is extraordinarily active. It just shows you how sloppy the Democrats are and how they will they'll drop any standard of decorum or decency or appropriateness whatsoever. It really is a disgrace. 
Yeah, it is. And I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's like such a like a weird lurch situation. And you look at him and it just shows no respect for the honor and distinction to be chosen to serve. But however, that happened with him, um, you know, for the office. And I look back in the background and I say, I'm always beautifully your dress. And I see Reagan behind there and I see the great Donald John Trump. And I just I just don't get it. Like, how do we fall this fast forward? Um, for this guy, I mean, it, the hoodie situation, I mean, I don't know. Is he like moonlighting, you know, ransacking, looting at, you know, Walmart and whatever across America? I mean, that's what he looks like. He looks like he just identifies as a wannabe, like gang member, teenager, somebody wilding, running around outside. Well, you know, one of the great lessons uh, of the 1960 presidential debates was that John Kennedy understood that how you looked was every bit as important as what you said. And if you Dress wanted success, people yeah. to hear you and pay attention to you, you had to look the part. We are looking to the people in Washington to be leaders, and therefore they need to dress like like leaders. They don't need to dress like hood rats. And that's what this guy dresses like. It's disgraceful, and I think it is disrespectful to the people of Pennsylvania. This guy can't bother to put on a necktie. I, I saw this previously. How much have we paid uh, the Ukrainian government? $131 billion. Now they're back for another $21 billion. Yet when Zelensky addresses both houses of Congress, he shows up in a dirty sweatshirt, a dirty combat sweatshirt. Now, he went, when he went to the World Economic Forum to speak, he wore a suit and tie, the proper, the proper garb for a, for a national leader. But when mm -hmm. he comes to us to lift another couple billion, he, he dresses like a degenerate. Uh, you know, they say, oh, well, the last man to address both houses of Congress was Winston Churchill. That's right. And Churchill wore an impeccably tailored suit. Zelensky, we've given you $131 plus billion. You can't afford a necktie, please. No, he doesn't. He just wants to, he thinks he's like, you know, wannabe friggin' G.I. Joe. But that Fetterman, I mean, what a, what a creep, or whoever that is pretending to be him. Um, I'm telling you something. I went to the car wash. They're dressed better in uniforms with like, you know, more pristine outfits in the car wash than that guy is wearing to the United States Senate. How is that possible? Well, look, one of, one of Stone's rules is always dress appropriate for the activity in which you are going to engage. You see this in Donald Trump. The only time he dresses down is when he plays golf. And even exactly. then, he never wears shorts. He, he's always appropriately clad. I think this man spends 80% of his time in a well-fitting Brioni suit uh, and his signature power ties. It's a signature look, but it, it commands authority. It commands respect. I couldn't agree more. Identify it uh, with him. Uh, Fetterman is a mistake all the way around. Uh, and why should the entire Senate loosen its rules of decorum? Yeah, why are they doing that? Is, 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 is that? is it because that guy's walking around with a giant baby Huey diaper and those, like, gangbanger board shorts? Like, what is the reason for this? And they just have to cover that up, too? I don't get it. I'm dead serious. So he can't wear a suit or he's got, like, weird, like, undergarments on? I don't know. I'm dead serious. I, I really think there's some reason why then Chuck Schumer is going to go ahead and make an exception for this or loosen the rules. I guess it is because their margin in the Senate is so extraordinarily narrow that they have to keep this guy under wraps and keep him happy because uh, they need his vote to stop anything meaningful from happening in the U.S. Senate. It is, it's really, it's nauseating. Let's it's move on. It's nauseating, that's for sure. Let's move on from that freak show. All right.
Let's go to some excellent numbers. I love math when it's on my side. All right. So Donald John Trump up 15 points over Biden with independence. I think this is very significant. And this is according to the latest CBS poll. So he's up in the real uh, clear politics average against Biden and up nearly 50 points in the Fox News primary poll. So what, what do you think is driving this latest uh, you know, round of success and momentum from Donald Trump? What can you point to? You know, I've got to tell you, Kimberly, I'm a veteran of 13 national Republican presidential campaigns. I've been involved in over 700 campaigns nationwide. I'm a 45-year veteran in American politics. I've never seen anything like the phenomena that is a Donald Trump. Uh, the harder they hit him, uh, the stronger he grows. I think it, I think that the entire effort to make him ineligible for the next election, to try to drain his campaign funds, uh, to, so he has to spend the money on lawyers rather than on uh, his campaign, uh, the efforts to make him sit in a courtroom uh, when he should be out campaigning, uh, and their ongoing efforts to try to blacken his name, which is clearly not working, um, is just made him stronger. It is counterintuitive to everything I've ever seen in politics. The president kind of touched on this in his uh, Meet the Press interview in which he played rope-a-dope with this a new this new Welker woman. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in his yeah. performance at his absolute combative best. Uh, but uh, I, I think he's right. The American people are on to this whole thing. Uh, the idea that you can't challenge the anomalies and irregularities in a in a public election that that is somehow seditious or treasonous or criminal is an absurdity. Every American has a First Amendment right to question the outcome of election. Uh, the lawyers working for him have a right to try to go out and collect documentation of voter fraud. Uh, so their, their entire master plan to, to sideline Donald Trump has backfired in spectacular fashion. Now, I, oh, look, yes. I, work, I work for Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a great president. He was extraordinarily popular, probably prior to Donald Trump, the most popular, the most popular yeah. president in history. But even the great Ronald Reagan never had poll numbers like these. And it's not just that Trump's vote share is growing. It's also that the intensity of the support he does have is becoming rock solid. That's a phenomenon. That's very you, important. You have to look into the crosstabs to understand that. But those are for, who are for Trump will not leave him for any circumstance or for any reason which is why I really think it's time for Governor DeSantis to hang it up. I mean, stick a fork in him. He's done. I agree. It's really true. Is, you know, people started calling for that a little bit ago, but now it's like, come on, folks. You had your chance. You did the debate. Now it's the second congressional debate at the great Reagan, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan Library um, in California coming up. So we'll have to figure that all out. But let's contrast um, for a moment, if we uh, shall, the just 26% of registered voters believing Biden has the cognitive health or acuity ability to be president. How do you run a campaign, Roger, when a huge, you know, significant majority of voters don't even think you are capable mentally to do the job? Uh, look, I think it is meaningful that in the last several weeks you've had CNN, you've had the Wall Street Journal, uh, you've had this USA Today poll showing uh, declining confidence in Joe Biden's ability to do the job, to finish the, the, the uh, 
the term uh, two thirds of Democrats in the CNN poll uh, want to nominate someone else. They are clearly tossing the banana peel uh, underneath Joe Biden's feet. They're preparing to remove him. I have said totally. for well over a year, I do not think he will be the Democratic nominee. I still believe that Michelle Obama, who, as we all know, is non-political, uh, is waiting in the wings. Uh, and Barack Obama, in a sense, I think, has given the signal. When the, when the New York Times has an op-ed that says, why don't people like Joe Biden? Why is Joe Biden so unpopular? Uh, when the stories about the Biden family corruption finally begin to get the kind of coverage that these stories deserve on the basis of facts, I think the ruling elite of the Democratic Party have made a decision that Joe is dispensable. Now, I, I think Jill Biden, Jill Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris worrying about where she ends up in this shuffle, they may be digging in their heels. So at this moment, I think there's huge internecine warfare going on in the Democratic Party uh, as Democrats realize that if Joe Biden is allowed to head their ticket in the next national election, he's going to take the entire under ticket down with him and they know it. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I love the banana peel thing. But by the way, what are they going to do? So it's going to be like a reality show called like Corpse Swap. What are they going to do? Swap out Joe Biden for Fetterman? Could you imagine that? Nothing would surprise me at this point. But, uh, you know, they don't have a good bench, though, Roger. That's why they have to go to the, the basketball bench and put in, uh, you know, the uh, strong forward or center, Michelle Obama, to come in uh, because they feel that she's their best chance. Because who else are you going to get? A member of the squad? You know, um, it just there isn't anybody. Think about it. Well, first of all, I don't think in their party you could replace uh, a woman of color, Kamala Harris, who would be next in line normally as the sitting vice president if Joe mm -hmm. Biden decided not to run, unless you do so with a woman of color who's immensely more popular. And I, and I have to admit, better spoken uh, than uh, Kamala Harris. Okay. Uh, and then the problem for Gavin Newsom, who's uh, obviously a very skilled politician, uh, is nominating a white male in their party as it's currently constituted uh, to replace uh, a woman who's in line, Kamala Harris, is a, is a very difficult trick, which is why I still believe that he'll end up on the national ticket, but as a candidate for vice president. Vice president. president. I could see Michelle Obama, Gavin as, you know, VP. But by the way, they can play basketball again. He's actually a pretty good basketball player. I think they're close to the same height. Hi, <laughs> Dios mio, what's happening to this country? Um, now, looming above all of this, is that Donald Trump may have to, quote, leave ostensibly the campaign trail to sit in a courtroom with these sham indictments for these show trials. Uh, you're a brilliant strategist. How does this affect sort of the structure and the organization of the campaign, you know, on the ground? What's the real likelihood of this? How should it be uh, played out? Well, the part of it that I find most troubling now is a motion uh, by the special counsel to essentially gag Donald Trump so that he cannot defend himself and publicly on these charges, which of course he correctly sees as a broader part of the political campaign against him. So a narrowly tailored gag order, which I think would be unconstitutional, is really problematic for his campaign. Now, NBC incorrectly reports today uh, that I was subjected to a gag order, that part is correct, but that I violated it, uh, was held in contempt, that's false, right, uh, that's and that true. my bail was not revoked uh, and I was not incarcerated. 
My fear, of course, is uh, that they will put this unconstitutional gag order in place. I would imagine the president's lawyers will challenge it on constitutional grounds immediately. I would hope so. Uh, but while that matter is pending, and believe me, the courts will not address it quickly, he would technically be under the order if the judge grants it. Uh, and if he violates it, yes, the judge could actually incarcerate him. It's a nightmare scenario, but it's it's a very realistic one. Uh, as far as the courtroom is concerned, frankly, Donald Trump can campaign from wherever he is if he's free to speak. He has to be free to speak. And then there is the question, and look, uh, uh, Kimberly, you're an attorney. I'm not. But if the president is allowed to introduce evidence in his various trials that show that he didn't lose the election, <laughs> then this entire matter could backfire in spectacular fashion against them. Uh, and uh, he could win despite these interruptions uh, in his schedule. We do know this one lesson from 2020. Mm -hmm. Trump on the stump, when he can do these massive rallies, is at his effective best. They recognized it. They recognized it in 2020. That's so why they used the, the pandemic uh, to keep him uh, from doing his massive rallies. Now they seek to use these trials to keep him from doing his massive and extraordinarily effective uh, rallies. People need to recognize that when he goes to a local media market in a swing state, he so completely dominates the news that he gains votes just by visiting. So I think that is they're trying to get him off of his proven campaign tactical game plan. Sure. And there's also some new uh, data coming out from uh, Rasmussen that 38 percent of voters are considering a third party candidate. How does this play into this, you know, the whole schematic? Does it benefit Donald Trump? Who's the one to benefit from this? Is it RFK Jr.? How do you see it? Well, first of all, we don't know who the Democratic candidates are. So when people say to me, well, who do you like for Trump's vice president? My answer is tell me who the Democrats are first, and then I'll tell you. We can't even tell you for certain who the Democrats are. Secondarily, the, the notion of an independent candidacy, while it sounds really, really good on paper, it is extremely problematic. Yeah. legally uh, 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 extremely expensive, highly technical, and very, very difficult to get on the ballot in enough states to potentially win 270 electoral votes. Uh, Robert Kennedy, if, he is really, if he's really considering this, and I hear that he is, but I don't know that firsthand, um, he's got to make a decision fairly soon because the deadlines for an independent candidacy are pretty much in line with the deadlines for filing to contend for the Democratic nomination. You cannot do one until you decide to abandon it and then have time to collect the signatures and get on the ballot. Now, there will be a, a minor party candidate on the ballot, I predict in 48 or 49 states, and that is uh, Professor Cornell West will be on the ballot as the Green Party candidate. The Green Party has automatic ballot access in probably 30 states. They have the wherewithal and the experience and the track record of petitioning their way on in the other 20 states. So there's going to be a progressive alternative on the ballot this November, regardless. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Robert Kennedy has the, the luxury to wait on this decision. He's either got to decide to contend within a rigged and stacked Democratic process in which, in all honesty, those who run the Democratic Party through the manipulation of the primary and caucus schedule, plus their use of superdelegates, 
will never give him a level playing field, will never allow him to bait Joe Biden or whoever their candidate may be, and will never give him a fair open shot at this nomination. Uh, and then the question, which I have seen no polling on, is even if he were to get on the ballot as an independent, which again, I stress, is extremely difficult, technically, legally, in terms of manpower uh, and know-how, um, where do those votes come from? Do they come from Joe Biden or the Democrat, or do they come from Donald Trump? Uh, I've seen no polling on this. I would only be hazarding a guess. Um, I think he's a positive force in this campaign. I think he's the only Democrat I can think of who wants to seal the border. He's the only Democrat who doesn't want to give a couple billion dollars to Iran to re-up their nuclear weapons uh, program. He's the only Democrat who's skeptical about shipping billions more to Ukraine. He makes an enormous amount of good sense on the housing issue, for example. Uh, I wish that they would give him a fair chance to compete, but as Bernie Sanders learned the hard way, that is never going to happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I like that you tell the truth. You know, you're just calling it out like you see it. So then the primary, um, essentially, let's be honest, it seems like it's all right because, I mean, there's nobody's going to be able to catch Trump. There's nobody else that's viable there. How do you see the other candidates structuring their, you know, messaging moving forward? We have still, nevertheless, the um, second presidential debate coming forward. Is, is there anyone in that whole group that U.S. you know kind of see being in line for a cabinet position or a potential VP slot? Well, first of all, I think any candidate um, who attacks Donald Trump or his record misunderstands the makeup of the modern day Republican Party. Donald Trump has totally remade this party in his image. We are the party of working class Americans. We are the party of the middle class. We are, we are the party of America first. We are no longer the country club, Wall Street party uh, of the Bushes. So candidates like Chris Christie uh, and uh, or Mike Pence, uh, who go in and criticize Donald Trump, I think do so at a huge expense to themselves. Uh, the reason that Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who I think is very glib and very impressive, a lot of questions about his background, but um, you know, I think he has run a data-driven campaign, and he's, he's smart enough to recognize that this is Donald Trump's party. If you attack Donald Trump within the confines of the Republican Party, the only place you're going is down. Uh, there, there, you know, there's the amazing thing about this first debate is, first of all, the clear winner of the debate is the guy who didn't participate. Donald For Trump sure. won the debate by not being there. He has an ability to command the news cycle by not being there. Never mind being there and taking incoming from six people with an unfriendly moderator, which is what he would have had. I think he's going to win the second debate by not being there. Governor DeSantis just hurts himself uh, again, attacking Donald Trump, the most pro-life president in our history, the man who appointed the Supreme Court justices who overturned Roe to properly turn the abortion yeah. question back to the states. Ron DeSantis now wants to believe us to believe that Donald Trump is pro-abortion simply because he says if we lead with that issue as our primary focus in the next presidential election, we will lose because there is no national consensus on it. That's it. He's I know. That's just strategy and just being smart. He's being honest. That doesn't mean that, that when it came, pushed to shove, he didn't do the right thing. He did. So this is, you know, just nonsense. It's uh, it's nonsensical. So, well, uh, yeah. Sad fact that in the country, I think, sadly, a majority, uh, if you take the people on the extremes, of, of which I am one, because I'm mm -hmm. pro-life, and those who are pro-abortion, uh, those are single-issue voters. The voters in the middle 
probably favor legal abortion, but yeah. they want many, many, many restrictions on it. They don't want abortion on demand. If the Republican Party wants to wrap its entire appeal uh, to the voters on the abortion issue, Donald Trump is right. We, we will lose. No, you're absolutely right. And I think it's obvious. We see what the direction things are going in. I know we'll be broadcasting and be there at the uh, presidential debate, the second one, but I think it's much like the first one, you know, N nothing much to, to see here, folks, in terms of any other viable alternative. Uh, maybe at best it's an audition for a cabinet position or VP, but uh, I don't know. Let's see that uh, none of them can so far scratch the surface, you know, compared to Donald Trump and his like charisma and his talent set and skill and ability and the way he can command, you know, a room and just capture attention and capture hearts and minds. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be there wearing your rumble hat. I look forward yeah. to you being thrown out yet, yet again. Uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing to me that they, that they would not allow you uh, or Don Jr. into the debate. Uh, given the role, important play you play with Rumble. By the way, I'm really, really proud. Last Friday, uh, my Rumble show, my show, The Stone Zone on Rumble, had the largest number of views we've ever had. Last time I looked, I think we were somewhere near 177,000 views. Phenomenal. Uh, I, I love Rumble. I really oh, do. Oh, Rumble is the absolute best, you know? So, yeah, we'll be there, and let, let's see what happens. We did make it inside, and they tried to make a big fuss about it, but we proceeded to have a 30-minute press gaggle that was far more interesting than anything else was going on in the room. But you know how he and I roll. We don't care. <laughs> we got the honey badger in us, sweetheart. Uh, you're the best, Roger, my friend. Thank you so much, and I know you're coming up live at 5 on the Stone Zone. The man with the common sense. The class, the style, he's, he's my buddy. I love him. You're the best, honey. Thank you. Folks can see you right here on Rumble. God bless All you. All right. Tune into him. All right. And much more to come. Uh, and there you have it, the Kimberly Guilfoyle Show, which you can watch at rumble.com. While you're at it, please subscribe to our Rumble channel. Uh, we'll put that up for you. It is a rumble slash uh, rumble.com slash Roger Stone. Subscribe to our Rumble channel. It is uh, growing by leaps and bounds. Now, <clears throat> I do have to take care of a piece of business. I am a coffee drinker. Everyone knows it. In the morning, I need a strong, smooth, bracing cup of coffee to get going. And I looked around to find the ideal coffee. I tried coffee from the local supermarket and some coffees I bought online until I found my coffee which is, by the way, known as My Coffee at MyStore.com. We're going to let Mike Lindell tell you about it right now. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. I get products all the time from entrepreneurs for my new platform, MyStore.com. And when I tried my coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It is the best coffee I've ever had in my life. I spent the last four months doing my due diligence and this family-owned business micromanages every step from the fields to the cup to ensure the best quality coffee you're ever going to have. It starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. Honduras's volcanic soil and humid climate make the perfect growing conditions for coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Then each batch is tested for its aroma, taste, and other aspects to meet the highest standards in the coffee industry. And after that, it goes into production, which is all done right here in the USA. 
It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee, but delivered right to your front door. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code and you'll get your very own My Coffee for 25% off. You guys all know that I've traveled the country for the past year and a half. I've stayed in hundreds of hotels. I've tried every coffee out there. Well, some of the coffees have that terrible aftertaste, some that leave me jittery, or I get an upset stomach. Well, my coffee is different. It's the richest, smoothest, best coffee I've ever had. My coffee comes in a variety of flavors. You get them ground or whole bean, plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. I guarantee it'll be the best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you'll get my coffee for 25% off. And I'm going to give you deep discounts on all my store products. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. Please order now. So there you have it, folks. Go to my store uh, and order my coffee. And when you do, please remember to use promo code STONE. Now, you can get to my store by going to MyPillow, and there's a portal there that'll take you to mystore.com, or you can just go to mystore.com. While we're at it, let me remind you that uh, we are listener and viewer supported uh, through mypillow.com. So please go to mypillow.com, and when you do, use promo code STONE. That's right, promo code STONE. Now, if you saw the recent deposition of Mike Lindell, where some smart-ass left-wing lawyer accused him of selling lumpy pillows, well, I can tell you firsthand that's completely wrong. In fact, Mike Lindell has just introduced his revolutionary new pillow. It's called Pillow 2.0, My Pillow 2.0. This has a patented cooling technology woven right into the pillow, so it remains cool to the touch throughout the entire night. Right now, there's a special offer where you can get a four-pack of these for a low, low $99.98, but only when you use promo code STONE. That's right, promo code STONE. So normally, an offer that would be $259.92, you get four of these amazing pillows for a low, low $99.98. I can tell you right now that uh, we make a small commission on our my pillow sales that's what keeps the stone zone afloat mrs stone and i will deeply appreciate your patronage there at mypillow.com this just in from the new york new york post uh former uh cdc director dr anthony fauci and his wife who just happens to be a high level executive at the fda are worth 11 million dollars in their network how did a man who spent his entire life as a government bureaucrat uh, get a net worth of 11 million dollars so that's right he's actually by law allowed to hold stock in the very vaccinations that he as a public health official mandates for the public and if that isn't corrupt I don't know what is. All right, we're out of time here for the Stone Zone. Remind you, you can see us every day at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Uh, This weekend on WABCRadio.com, Garrett Ziegler of the MarcoPoloUSA.org nonprofit that is publishing all of the information about Hunter Biden's laptop joins us, as well as Cash Patel. Uh, former senior counsel of the House Intelligence Committee, now suing the DOJ over their illegal surveillance of his emails. So you're going to want to tune in to WABCRadio.com. 
Facebook.com uh, Sunday between 3 and 5. In the meantime, I'm Roger Stone. This has been The Stone Zone, and we will see you tomorrow. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com.